Once you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. God is change. Welcome, listeners. This is Octavia's Parables, a chapter-by-chapter reading of Octavia E. Butler's Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents. We're going to keep reading other things too, but right now we are in the Parable of the Talents and we're on chapter 14. I Mm -hmm. am your co-host, Adrian Marie Brown. I'm Toshi Regan. And every week we like to check in with each other and see if we have any announcements. So Toshi, anything going on with you that's... Ready to be announced. Well, what I can say is yesterday I finished my record. (laughs) I'm so happy. Toshi! (laughs) We've been navigating out here, y'all. And uh, we finally finished it. We really like it and really enjoying it. And um, we'll soon be uh, releasing some of the melodies from the record to to everybody. And... um, also, this weekend, I work on the next uh, Marine Mammal Meditation with uh, Alexis Pauline Gums. Fantastic. Yeah. And if you're in New York, um, I'm going to be at Lincoln Center Outdoors um, on Juneteenth. Mm. And um, and I'll be doing a, a really beautiful collaborative project that Carl Hancock Rux is curating and Lynn Nottage is the participating in Vernon Reed, Helga Davis, Nona Hendricks, Kimberly Nicole, a bunch of people. So it'll be, uh, it'll be the first time. No, the second time I'll be in front of an audience. That's fantastic. Yeah. I know that's your happy place. So yeah, yeah. It's a place that holds 3000 people, but it will be holding uh, somewhere right now about 380 people. So I feel safe. You know, yeah. I think they might. I hope they increase it because it's a huge space. But right now, that's what it is. Okay. As long as you're safe, I'm okay. With it. I'm going to be safe. <laughs> Don't be sitting I, um, with nobody next to me. <laughs> yeah. I like, I like, I like, the. you know, it's like we're creeping our way out of the cave, right? Mm-hmm. Like, just like, okay, how's this? How's that? Good. Good news. All of that's mm-hmm. good news. I am, uh, yesterday was my release date for Holding Change. It's out in the world now. And it's Holding Change, the way of emergent strategy, facilitation, and mediation. And, you know, I got my copies of the book. I got to sit and reread the whole thing. And I just feel really Mm. solid about what's in there. Um, I'm like, there's... So much stuff that's not in there intentionally, but I really feel good about the stuff. I'm like, yes, this, I think, just covers what it needs to cover. And there's a little mm-hmm. notebook that is along with it. So starting to see that out in the world, which is great. And you can get yours at akpress.org. And it really is like, you know, it's not a book for everyone necessarily. It really is for people who are like, I really, I'm trying to dig into my facilitation. Mm-hmm. I want to be practicing kitchen table mediation in my community. Mm -hmm. Like I want to be in those practices. That's who this is for. And I want to really root myself in black feminist wisdom around that. There's so many people in it that I love and admire, including Alexis Pauline Gums, who basically touches everything good. Um, And Sage Crump and Makani Themba and Prentice Hemphill and so many, like a good double handful. So, um, so that's happening. And then, you know, I'm surviving this eclipse. <laughs> so yeah. that feels like something worth noti- noting. Um, so far, so good. So those are my announcements. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, I feel like yeah. since the last time we, we gathered, you also released some um, images um, on IG of the tarot deck, which. Uh, oh, yes. They're so, so gorgeous. Amazing. <laughs> oh, my God. We're so excited. You know, we, we had this journey. Krista Franklin is our art director and it's just been this journey with her and all the artists of like gathering them and and matching them up to the cards and kind of finding all the right stuff. Mm -hmm. And and then, you know, yeah, Chelsea made that post of like, I dreamed it. Here it is. It's coming into being. And we just got to approve the back of the deck, like what the back's going to look like. And it's so beautiful. Our our designer is uh, Ben Blount, 
who really did a lot of research into Octavia's papers and colors and things that she drew mm. in her books and everything. And like all of that's being woven in to, right. to the design of the deck. So it's okay. really just like at every step, it just feels like intentional love fest. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, yeah. So, I'm so and happy. you know, we will definitely be announcing here when pre-orders for that are available, but um, yeah. yeah, go, go check it out. You can look up Octavia's tarot or Octavia E. Butler tarot uh, to find it. Um, hashtag it you know that's right um so we said this last week and it's worth saying again is that we are in the hardest writing that octavia butler ever did we're in the most devastating writing writing that octavia butler ever did Mm -hmm. um, at least that ever made it out to us to see so we are up in the territory of enslavement which includes subjugation violence rape um harm you know, homophobia, white supremacy. It's it's all woven in to this chapter as well as the last chapter. And so the reason we want to preface with that is just to let you know to be prepared as you move into this. It's not a light listen. It is a strategically important listen. This is something we need to turn and face and be in right relationship with. How do we navigate this? So we're listening for the sake of learning. So really put on that cap, but also recognize you might need to have your sage or your cedar, the things that you use to help clear your energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I have this incredible aura cleanse that my my black queer masseuse made for me. And she was like, do you still have that? I was like, it's gotten me through the pandemic. Yes, yeah. I still have this. That's right. So whatever you use to ground and center your energy, have it available as we mm. move into this chapter. All right? Yes. Satoshi, you want to bring us in? Uh, we are in the year 2035. Self is. Self is body and bodily perception. Self is thought, memory, belief. Self creates, self destroys. Self learns, discovers, becomes. Self shapes, self adapts. Self invents its own reasons for being. To shape God, shape self. And um, here we are, uh, chapter 14. Take comfort, each move toward the destiny, each achievement of the destiny must mean new beginnings, new worlds, a rebirth of earth seed. Alone, each of us is mortal, yet through earth seed, through the destiny, we join, we are purposeful, immortal life. And uh, earth seed, the books of the living, and... um. Here we learn more about Larkin's life. We learn about her mom. We have a resistance and we have a war. And then I I put in big letters, time to die trying. So this is indeed, I I think it might be the the hardest chapter um, for me and all of the things Octavia I've read. I'm like, oh, this is the one. So Larkin starts us off somehow more than a, a year. Somehow Lauren, her mother, survived more than a year of slavery at, at Camp Christian. And um, she's like, I don't know how she did this. Um, but she has um, some of her writings from 2033 and 2035. Um, her records from 2034 have been lost. Um, she is sure that she wrote during that time. She just can't find find the papers. She's sure she would write on any scraps of paper, anything that she could, and that she knows that that she would have tried to keep those available and that the act of writing was um, was a kind of therapy. There was at least uh, one major escape attempt. The people of Acorn um, took no part in this. And this is, is from the good brother, Day Turner, who, you know, we can't help thinking about Nat Turner, but we think about Day Turner. <laughs> no, I'm like, There's no way, you know, Octavia's like, they, he's still he's still around. Um, and Day is basically like, no, I'm done. I'm fed up and I'm going to, you know, start a revolution. And uh, he he is, you know, spreading the whole like vibration around you know, all of the enslaved community, um, mm-hmm. organizing, strategizing, and Lauren, Lauren disagrees with this, like, a lot. 
she is just like, nope, 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 nope. Not it's not going to work. Yeah. Don't do it. It's not time. This is not the way, you know. They basically kind of part, part ways. That's the end of their, you know, the beautiful yeah. relationship because he's he's determined. Lauren tells, um, gets word to all of her people that they should not participate in this. She is like, you know, he's going to try to do this. Don't do it. And uh, she got Travis, Travis Douglas, to keep the, uh, keep, you know, she says, um, Olamina's men in line. <laughs> I love that mm-hmm. line. <laughs> Travis kept Olamina's men in line. Mm-hmm. And she's like, no, y'all, y'all not going to do this. And, and also gives a description that he wasn't a big guy, but he had a force to him. So uh, when the break came, all of the, uh, you know, Olamina people did what she said and he just laid down on the ground and was like, we not a part of this. This is happening. There's nothing we can do. And there was a lot of, there was a lot of, of, of death and destruction. Of course, this uprising did not work. It, it just was impossible for it to work. There was only one person that actually got away with killing a guard. And that was the person they didn't like. Um, Crystal Blair, uh, she yep. died for it, but she was able to to get Lauren called her that bitch, Crystal Bear <laughs> Blair. Um, but they were able to, you know, maybe that's Larkin calling her that bitch, Crystal yeah. Blair. <laughs> I was like, interesting. <laughs> yeah, she's she's like rooting rooting from the sidelines, and so she she got him. But but by the uh, you know by the end of it, they had hurt maybe a couple of guards, and you know, fifteen of their people died, and everybody got lashed. Just everybody got in trouble for this. Day Turner was hung. By the time they they hung him, he was he was already badly beaten. And, you know, mercifully, maybe wasn't even aware of what was happening. But um, everybody, everybody that was alive and remaining got basically tortured. And people just took this in a, a variety of ways. Some people just really we just lost capacity of their beings. Yeah. Um, and it was, it just, yeah, it just, I don't know what to say about these people. I don't even want to read this stuff. They just did everything that they could do to release, you know, their false sense of being wronged and just violated and tortured everybody. And there's this, uh, this woman that Larkin meets named Cody Smith and Cody was there and is how she is getting a lot of the, the information about it and and learning about what's hap- what's what's happening and she also learns that the Mora sisters had given away their status as sharers that was something all the sharers and all of the especially Ursi community were trying to protect yeah. um, because uh, sharers get more abuse than anyone so uh, there's this wonderful place in her scholarship and her research where Larkin is like breaking down like really the atrocity of this situation, which is it's completely like it's completely illegal. There's no place yeah. where, you know, people created legislation and, and said slavery is legal again. So under the, the you know, something for, for me to remember and something I think for us to remember is under the right administration, anything can happen. And so Jarrett was the administration to give access to, to all this. Also, just looking at the technology that we approve, that the technology that we approve makes these collars. And so it's illegal. Mm-hmm. It's illegal to have the collars, but we we have all we are all right now actually playing a part in how invasive um, technology actually becomes on the body. And yes. this gives way to all of these, you know, terrible um, creations. So Larkin is letting us know, like, this actually was never legal. It's not legal to steal people's land. It's not legal to steal people. It's not legal to make people work without a, a, you know, a wage. All of these things. However, stealing children, taking children does have some, some, um, you know, have some support in our system of law. And this is actually, like, true in many places. Um, So vagrancy laws were expanded. And this gave... They, the, the saying like, what are the conditions that children have to live in? So if you are like not a housed person that, you know, you could be maintaining your relationship to your child 
And if you're not a house person, they can take your kid and be like, nah, you're not here. So the stealing of, of people, you know, the original foundation um, of America with the uh, stealing of land and the taking of whatever um, is, is, uh, does have legal, uh, has a legal line. Mm-hmm. And so this is this is really, I mean, you know, I would love to know where we are right now for real, and um, mm-hmm. yeah. So she says it's hard to believe that to believe that kind of thing happening here in the United States in the 21st century, but it did. It shouldn't have happened. In spite of all the chaos that had gone before, things were healing. People like my mother were starting small businesses, living simply, becoming more prosperous. Crime was down in spite of the sad things that happened to the Neuer family and to Uncle Mark. Even my mother said that things were improving. Yet Andrew Steele Jarrett was able to scare, divide, and bully people. First into electing him as president, then into letting him fix the country for them. He didn't get to do everything he wanted to do. He was capable of much greater fascism. So were his most avid followers. And she points out here that even after he kind of didn't get to say everything he wanted, his followers were everywhere. And they enacted the things that he didn't actually, he wasn't able to. Um, I'm sure some of us feel this right now in our situation with the last administration, basically really hyping people up to, yeah. So there's a big war that starts, and it's it's the war against uh, Canada and Alaska. And basically, America's like trying to get it, and they uh, restart the draft, and they focus on poorer families, and it's just a brutal war. Lots of people die. Lots of injustice, lots of blood was was shed. Nothing was accomplished, and eventually it just ended. And it kind of like just petered out, as she says. It just it just ended, and then there was, you know, a new treaty, and then it was done. Um, And just lots and lots of money spent, lots and lots of people dead, lots of anger and frustration and violence for nothing. Um, Alaska stayed its own country and nothing shifted at the borders. So a big waste of everything. It just big waste of everything. We find out a little bit about Larkin's, you know, living in her, her house and uh, with her adoptive parents. And it's just not a good look for Larkin. They had this daughter who was killed in the war. Her, Her daughter, their daughter. Yeah. Um, was uh killed you know the alexanders her daughter their daughter kamaria she was killed in a a missile attack on seattle when she was 11 and so she was their you know she was their jewel she was everything and then they just are wrong to larkin they're really mean to her and and the father is abusive and um trying to touch her she remembers from the age of four so she is in a situation where she is not being loved, where she is having to take the weight of the agony of grief. And she has an a, abusive, a sexually abusive dad. And, um, and she is at that age of four, as she says, remembering how to, remembering how to, to stay safe by not engaging in these certain particular ways. And we hear more about that later. So here we are, February. That alone is like a chapter it's to just me. Like it's own, I know. I was like, damn, I tell you. Oh. Oh, this we're not even sad. halfway through. Like, we're wow. not even halfway through, y'all. Like, just stand up for a minute and shake it off. Yeah. Like, it's terrible. It's it is so bad. Terrible. It's such a lot. So here we are, um, Sunday, February the 25th, 2035. And Lauren informs us that basically everybody is sick. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's cold. It's wet. Nobody is cared for. And nobody's built up any immunity. And so they just are sick and sick and sick and sick. Um, they're all living close together. And so as a result of, of this, you know, horrible and horrific abuse of, of slavery, um, 
people die in um, in different ways. Um, one woman was left to have a baby by herself. They wouldn't let anyone help her. She died and the baby died. Um, everyone is, is weak and everyone is um, there at the end. So it's it's time to 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 start thinking about how to to get out or die trying. Let your light shine, shine, shine. Let your light shine, shine, shine. There is someone down in the valley trying to get home. Oh, let your light shine, shine, shine. Let your light shine, shine, shine. There is someone down in the valley trying to get home. Maybe one and it may be two. They are in, you know, in their, their just state of ultimate badassness, like, you know, formulating the strategy. And so they have information. Um, I'm just going to read this because this is one of my lights. <laughs> we awesome. have information. Some of us have learned things from our rapists. Others just from keeping our eyes and ears open. Also, we have 23 knives. That is, Earthseed, the Sullivans, and the Gamas have 23 knives. And they are looking at, like, how they made their knives. They they, they actually have knives or they have created them themselves. Um, but they are like, we have 23 and that's enough. That's enough for each of the um, teachers. That's enough for the guards. That's enough to get to them before they get to use the, the maggots against them. Um, they have accepted that some of them will die and they even are like, yeah, maybe we all will, but it's time. This is a good check, check in of reality. She's like, none of us know how long we're to be collared. No one who's come here has ever been released. Even the people who try to like, you know, help out and tell on people, they are still in their collars. They might get like extra bed or bread or something. So there's no way out. Like this situation is not going to get better. And she's like, none of the Earthsea people have died since days of rebellion, but they're sick. And then there's Allie who might die. And this is just a heartbreaking situation. I, you know, you all might remember earlier that Allie has a lover, Mary Sullivan, and they basically have been surviving and, and, you know, keeping love by, you know, being together at night in the cabin and everybody is there, you know, resting and sleeping and people have like accepted this, but they were betrayed and they were betrayed by, um, Earthseed people, by Beth and Jessica, um, Faircloth. And Lauren is, is so just wounded by this, that, you know, someone from Earthseed would, would do something like that. And, um, yeah, you know, it is like done in this way that also is just using the tools that they all have to participate in um, at force. So basically yeah. they're at church and there's a big, you know, they have to do testimony and the, the teachers pick like who they want to testify. And this particular Sunday, Lauren was picked. Lauren is like, this is how you do it. You do this, you do this, you do this, you beg for mercy, you say you're terrible and, you know, and then you move on. (laughs) Lauren's telling you how she like gets sleep in these meetings and, and, you know, and then someone else goes and then a new person goes who's absolutely petrified, um, but smart enough to kind of like follow Lauren and, and kind of do the same kind of thing. But she falls apart um, eventually. And um, this service is led by a Reverend Benton. And Reverend Benton isn't actually like at Camp Christian. He comes he comes to visit so that he can rape women yes. and and do like this church service. That's his whole purpose of being there. That's that's all he does. And they do a whole thing about, you know, being Christians and being wonderful and then they do a whole thing about like what's wrong. 
And when they say what's wrong, they, they're like, you know, the queer. They're not using this language, y'all. I'm just like, but basically yeah, us, yeah. we're wrong. <laughs> and yes. But they leave out the rapist. <laughs> like, they're like, we're not going to actually put, you know, rapists in the category of wrongness um, that, that God would be like, no, what, why are y'all doing that? Um, so he. Contortions, y'all. Yep. He stirs up the service and the the fair the faircloth sisters just just you know come up to the front and basically tell the story of Ali um and Sullivan um doing what they do and they um this is another really brutal situation where um because of their testimony you know Mary Sullivan is killed she and um and Ali is is lashed to the point of of um where she can't speak and where she doesn't just have a, a control of her body. Um, and, and we don't know why, like she actually didn't die, but, um, the Sullivan's in our family. And so, you know, her father is kind of like, you know, don't do this. And then her father gets lashed. Um, and he's an elder and he gets also that, that, that like, um, this is the thing, y'all. They they just lash and lash and lash. They they're not. There's no. There's they're they're just going to the end. Like how yeah. far can we go? And it doesn't matter. Like what happens to people, it is, it's it is it is horrific. So that this happens, and um, Lauren has to dig the grave, and the father is just not is losing it and eventually they the father gets sent away and they don't even know what happened to him mm. nobody nobody knows anything and um and then the <laughs> you know the sisters they get to live in a room just the two of them and they get kitchen duty and kitchen duty is like the best duty cuz you kind of can get a little bit more food so they get a room of their own and they get kitchen duty and they can't cook. So the teachers right away are like, y'all not cooking for us. You you cook for them. So it makes the quality of the food that everybody eats it's just, just, it's endless. It's endless. You know, it, it's endless. And yeah. it's really the final straw. It's the last thing that they can like tolerate. And it's the confirmation upon confirmations upon confirmations that that is the existence there is no other existence nobody's looking for them nobody's going to free them no nothing's going to happen and so they they start to really come together and i don't know how they get all of this work done but they're like we've learned that the master unit the unit that powers all of the controls of the collars and, and camp christian it's in um lauren and ben coley's cabin so they have um they used to keep it in one of the maggots, but now it's it's over there. And um, they are making a plan to have, um, you know, one of the um, horrific uh, teachers likes uh, Christina Cho and the Mora girls. And so basically they are like, we we going to kill these people. We mm-hmm. got our knives and we're going to kill these people. And that's something that you know she notes that the more girls probably would not have done earlier in the process mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. but they have all, they they get it now like they're in a you know there's a war in a country and there's a war <laughs> happening like yes. right inside of camp christian so this is this is the a part of the war and you know i don't know if you have a question about this adrian but like you know sometimes like just reading this i just did this i was like there's a war happening blah 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 but this is actually a strategic arm of the war this disappearing of people this like torture this everything so they basically um they they're like we're going to try to disable this master unit but we don't know what it looks like and so that is a problem and that that made me think about keith and how uh-huh. Keith was surviving because so many people couldn't read and didn't know how things acted. Exactly. And then and then Keith was like, oh, no, you just <laughs> you just stick this here. Um, she goes on to talk about, like, you know, how would it be to disable this and comparing it to um, older technology, um, specifically telephones and things like that. But they didn't have to do any of that because there was a huge and furious storm. There was like. Mother Earth, 
just mm. was whipping it up and it's lightning and everything and it's like just an enormous downpour of water and Lauren kind of pops up to look out the window because that's where her space is and she realizes when she does that that she was able to do it yes. and this is this turns into Wednesday February 28th 2035 those collars are not working and they start to to go and find people and they're like freedom 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 and you know they not they not just earthy people so they mixed in with all of these different you know folks exactly who, some who like don't really understand like what to do and but the earthy people get get up and they start to mobilize. Yeah. It's not even a joke. They are like, we we are doing this. We are finding these guns. We are finding yes. the papers. We're finding the food. We're gathering the things. You're going to go here. You're going to go here. You're going to go do this. They get to it. And um, they kill those people. And yes, they, they, do. Yeah, they do. They get rid of them. They're like, you know, this is it. And they do like kind of what we're used to them doing. They start. They get very thoughtful. They get very organized. They, um, the state of physical being, remember, they're all sick, but they get it done. They see all of the different, um, cabins and, um, and things like that. And they're, and also the, the waste and the filth and just how these people were deciding to, to live. So the collar is dead and, um, they have, they also cut the collars off. It didn't, it's not like once it died that it just, slid off you had to literally cut it off you so the great fear also was that they were working against the clock yeah that you know that would do that so some of the captives that were desperate to escape you know they they ran into the fence and um and earthy people did not do that um they just they just were methodical about everything I don't know how even imagining a story like this and the conditions, how this was, this was um, possible. So they stay and, and I'm not even telling you all everything. So this is just to say, I'm, I'm skipping, (laughs) skimming because this would be a four hour podcast episode right now, just to talk about them getting free. You know, they're like figuring out what they're going to do and, and they're trying to find things that they know that they will need. And they're saying that, you know, their trucks are gone um, or have been destroyed. They can't break into these maggot things. And uh, when it was light, they could see that seven people had died on the fence. And um, one of the things they wanted to do is just see if they can find um, different paper. Ben Coley had, um, yeah, yeah, Ben Coley's. Yeah, they had their secret caches all over the place. And so they went and they just looked for their things. Ben Coley had, had taken a picture of every child's footprints. And um, and so they went and found that. And then they burned the whole thing down. They burned the whole thing down. They burned it down. That it was over. And... Um, and Lauren says, we burned Acorn. No, 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 no. We burned Camp Christian. We That's burned right. Camp Christian so that it could, couldn't could be used as Camp Christian anymore. This is such a, you know, a horrible relief, you know, to read I, I, every mm-hmm. time I've read it. And they watched their, their homes burn. And they went into the hills and separating from the last of the other inmates who were there Um. You know, the people who aren't earthy people, they're they're like trying to get somewhere else, but they separated from them. And it says this time, though, it's too late for fire to be the destroyer that we that we remembered. The things that we had created and loved had already been destroyed. This time, the fires only cleansed. And that's chapter 14. Oh, man, Toshi, thank you. <laughs> I was just like every single time, like, how do you summarize this? But you really did beautifully covering very difficult terrain. Thank you. Um, thank you. Mm-hmm. So just, just take a moment, let this in. Notice how you're feeling in all of what you just heard. Does it feel familiar? Does it feel far off? Does it feel visceral? 
Do you feel numb? Uh, don't judge any of those feelings. Just notice how you're doing. This is happening somewhere. Mm-hmm. And this is possible. You know, this is what Octavia is warning us against. Like this is mm-hmm. her warning, right? So we want to take it seriously. And I have a lot of questions for this chapter. And I know um, you do. So I'm going to try to move through them efficiently. And some of them are just reflection, like just reflect to yourself. Some of them are questions that I really want to encourage you to have uh, a conversation with in a group or collective or with friends um, just to process it. So, you know, first, I'm always interested in how this lands for people. How do the gender dynamics around Lauren's leadership feel to you? You know, she says she says yes or no on whether her people are going to move forward, join Day's attack when it's time to do their own attack. And really, she is the leader and they trust her leadership and they trust it under pressure. So really notice how that feels to you. Does that feel possible in your own life? Does that feel like something you're already practicing? Could you imagine being one of Lauren's people and really listening to her leadership, dropping to the ground because she said so, even if you didn't get to have a long debate or conversation around it, right? Trusting her assessment. So just notice that. And then I think we said this before, but I'm always shocked when we get to this chapter and I'm reminded that it's a year that she, over a year that they're in these conditions because in my mind, I think I shrink it to, mm-hmm. some, you know, like whatever feels bearable, like a day, three days or mm-hmm. something. And then it's like, actually it's a year of time, long enough for you know, someone to to become pregnant through a rape and have the baby and mm-hmm. and sacrifice herself, right? Like it's a long time. And so I think there's a question about endurance in this chapter. And I want people to reflect, do you have a sense of your individual capacity to endure hardship, to endure attack? And then as a group, do you have a sense of your collective capacity to endure hardship, to endure attack? I think that we look to peoples who have endured for a really long time. I think we should look to them as points of wisdom, as people who can tell us a lot about staying here. You Mm. know, the indigenous peoples of this land or the indigenous Palestinian peoples or, you know, other peoples, right? That we look to and we're like, oh, somehow you have made it through all attempts of genocide on you. But that meant enduring hardship. um, Right. Has meant that for us as black people. So just really checking in on that. Mm. And I have a question here. Do you have a sense, and Toshi, you can answer this one if you want to, but do you have a sense of why the sharers are so much more targeted? And do you see a modern parallel? You know, like, who are the sharers amongst us right now, and are they more targeted? Mm. You know, um, I had a, a relative who was living on the streets without a house and mm-hmm. um and this person there's a, a a sonic language that is spoken amongst the, the people who were living on the street that yeah. I cannot understand I could barely hear it let alone like understand it and when I was walking with them they would be talking to people while they were walking to me and i and i would be like yeah you know <laughs> i was staying out of people's business but i noticed it and i think our systemic abuse around housing it mm-hmm. it's so accepted it feels like that kind of thing of like you you are participating in creating conditions in humans because the humans are already in a state of awareness that you are not that's right because you 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 don't want to be in the conditions and it's like and so it's like that's the community that gets picked on you know that's yeah. the community that gets expanded that's the community where people take from like the the innovation and and um and creation that people do it's like no, that is, we yeah. want that too. You know, like, like we want to take everything. That's the community that is creating language and practices and things. And I don't know if it's like a, a direct line, but but I really see it. I really see it happening. And then I also think 
I think in America, because America is created out of slave culture, that it yeah. it does this um, to a lot of different kinds, and particularly children. I think it, it, you know, and I think children are inc- incredibly, you know, are, are big sharers, and that they, yes. they when they first arrive, I think also they're, you know, kind of still in the mystic world, and then they're here, and they're kind of like up the the rate that we. Um, take in knowledge and grow and feel things and are, and so I think that's a a reason why children are are you know systemically, we have this like um, in our in our creation like a love hate relationship but mostly a very exploitive relationship to every aspect of a person being born in this United States of America. That's right. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I I was like, yes, Toshi. All of the things, you know, I think this is, when I think about the patterns of abuse, both institutional and interpersonal abuse, I'm like, oh yeah, the sharers, those, those of us who feel empathy, who are still connected with empathy are the ones who we target because, Mm. you know, we, we feel, we can feel the pleasure of even those who harm us doing well, or when they're feeling happy, we can, uh, tend to associate ourselves with it and it can be taken advantage of or if you're wishing well um you know and and i also the answer that came to me in a big way was those who we think of as experiencing mental illness because Mm -hmm. they're taking in everything and they're not able to or not choosing to necessarily construct the big walls around their senses you know that they're like this is actually not okay and i can feel that and i've just been reflecting on that a lot as i i have loved ones who are struggling with this and struggling with their, that, that health. And I'm just like, what you're feeling is real. Like yeah. we should all be feeling that we have been through a year plus of deep traumatic grief and loss and containment and radical change and everything, you know, just like <laughs> we've been surviving and expected to still produce anything. And it's like, some of us are not doing well inside of that condition. Cause we're like, wait, <laughs> everything now needs to pause so we can recover. Mm-hmm but there's never any recovery time. So I appreciate you engaging that question because it does feel something, it feels like something that's like almost um, like a principle of the the United States is Mm -hmm. the targeting of those who still feel um, in in a variety of ways. I think we learned a lot in this administration too that the more empathy all of us gain, the more we're willing to look beyond ourselves and think collectively, the yes. more we're engaged, you know, on the line of, you know, love and uh, expansion and the more angry and violent <laughs> the attacks yeah. on us become. Like the yeah, more, absolutely. you know, the more we're, we're like kind of threatened, like with, with an intense level of violence. It's like, you know, you're, you know too much. Yeah, that's right. And you know too much. And and because you have all of this um, wingspan of knowledge and and access to, you know. Something beyond what we control. Yeah. 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 (laughs) Well, and that kind of moves, you know, I feel this next question I have is, do you feel protected by laws? Right? Because I feel like this is such a, to me, connection, you know, it's like a sign of privilege. Basically, if you're like, I feel protected by the laws, you know, people are always like, well, that, you know, is this legal or not legal? And it's like slavery was legal. Almost everything that's ever been done to us was legal for periods of time. Mm-hmm. Um, and in this instance, it's like, oh, these things are not legal, but they're still happening. So what is the purpose or when do laws matter, right? When when are they effective? That's um, such a great question. That's a, and, a great question because yeah. that question is almost like... Um, an opportunity to look at like specifically. Yeah. yeah. Get yeah. precise. Think yeah. about it for yourself because I think um, for those of us who have had the laws not protect us, you know, I think we have a, a view <laughs> on laws and on governance and on power. But I think this is one that can help. This is a thread that I think if you pull it long enough, you end up a revolutionary. Um, (laughs) So, and then this other question, which is, it occurred to me this time reading it, which was, do you think of war as chaotic or as orderly? Right? Do you think of war as something chaotic or orderly? And I ask it because 
when this war breaks out, you know, they're and they're in the war, they're going through this whole process of war in this chapter. It made me realize that I'm like, I thought that they were kind of in too chaotic of a state nationally to even galvanize around a war, right? Hmm. And I'm like, people are like walking in the streets, like who is actually able to do this? But then I'm like, that's because there's a part of my brain that still thinks of war as something orderly that's happening, you know, because I was raised in the military mm -hmm. and I, I'm raised around the drills of it all, right? The like orderly uniformity of it all. But I'm like, actually, that's not the truth of it. Any wars that I've actually experienced have been very chaotic, often between chaotic bodies that are not necessarily functioning in an orderly way. And in this instance, it's like, oh, yeah, what you said really resonated here, which is like this. These are all parts of the war. This mm -hmm. is all parts of the war. And it's actually chaotic because the war pulls apart the center. Right. And tries to then fill it with some other dominant force. That's so right. I'm really curious about how that lands for people. Is it both and, either or? Which which way do you hold it? Mm, great question. So moving back into the the trigger zone of, of sexual assault that is like such a huge part of this series and this novel. In this one, you know, when is it Reverend Bennett comes to visit them, you know, I had this thought of is there any way to end the hypocrisy of how organized religion relates to child sexual abuse, right? Is there any way? I feel like we go through these periods of exposure that this is happening. And what Octavia is referencing in this feels like it's very, very, very deeply rooted mm -hmm. in things that go on, things that have gone on and been looked askance. Like it's just like or we look away. Mm -hmm. um, so I really feel that that question here and I feel it you know as Larkin's story is unfolding that she is in a circumstance where she's been placed with this family and she's being molested or you know there's an attempt to molest her regularly by the person who's supposed to be her father in a Christian America household right, right. yeah so you know and writing Right, I think writing about these things is a major way we figure out what it is we're surviving and we make meaning of it by telling the truth. And Lauren has writing. And I love that Larkin says that Lauren has writing and that it mm -hmm. was basically writing was a kind of therapy for her. That this is part of the reason that we get to, to know anything about this in the story is that Lauren wrote, but it was also that she was writing to help herself get through this. So I want you as our listeners to reflect on how would you stay in touch with yourself in the conditions that Earthseed here is surviving and dying in? Hmm. How would you stay in touch with yourself? Yeah, yeah. Um, would it be writing? Would it be finding a lover, right? Would it be some kind of meditation or turning inward? Um, I often think of, one of the prisoners that Brian Stevenson helped to liberate, um, who talked about how he survived by having these fantastical relationships with people. Like he was like, I was married to Halle Berry. <laughs> I was married <laughs> to the queen. <laughs> like I just moved into my imagination and that's how I mm -hmm. made it through. And I always oh, say, like, yeah, that feels familiar. So just think about that for yourself because you can precede some of your earth seed you know, precede some of your survival methodologies into your practice now. Mm -hmm. So moving into the strategic pieces of this, for me, how do you know when it's time for the uprising? You know, Lauren mm -hmm. is so clear that it's like, nope, not this time. And yes, now it's time to, to fight or die. Now it's time to make a break for it. So do you understand when it's time to make a break for it? Do you understand when it's time to hold back? What are the conditions you understand to be ripe for making those moves? or not making those moves, right? And I think that's a good conversation to have. It's like, mm -hmm. right, what is the risk assessment? You know, what is the threat assessment? How many of us are we willing to lose? Uh, do we have anything left to lose, right? Mm -hmm. Is there any way to survive this, et cetera? Because I think the the next question I have is, are you fighting or giving up, mm. right? Are you fighting or are you giving up? Yeah. And I think they sit right on that precipice for a moment. They're just like, okay, you know, <laughs> we cannot continue trying to survive in this method. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to make a move even if it means we all die, which is a giving up, but yeah. a giving up with with fire in your hands, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah, i I I love this question too, because I think in the story there's 
there's two revolutions or two uprisings. Exactly. So the revolution yes. is, uh, is is afoot, but yeah. it's like when can you yes. when do you strike and what are the conditions? And when I was when I, I read the the part about the knives yeah. um, over and over again because I because you know they don't, they don't say earlier oh some of us have started to make knives. It's yeah. like boom we have twenty three knives. knives we got some <laughs> yep. knives like so the yes. the you know, revolution. The, the time for the, the revolution was like the day it happened. Exactly. And then it's the, the strategy of like figuring out what, you know, how are you going to get out? And then it's the confirmations of like, oh, this is never going to end, you know? So here we are there's sick. No and like, there's no good behavior we can this. do. We can't do anything about this. So, right. but I think I was like thinking, did they learn anything from day, you know, because they kind of had a, it felt like they had a similar thing except for they had more knives i mean i think they had more knives and then i'm gonna get i well, i can go ahead and say this part but i think this chapter in a large way is a, is about understanding the work of partnering with change mm. right so they they had the knives they had readiness right they were like we are ready for the moment we are ready to fight but nature cleared the way right, right. like nature partnered with them it's like these people have been pulling the trees out and making the land unstable and then the, there's a mudslide and as soon as that land falls down the earth falls down the earth opens the opportunity right the earth is yep. like okay these things are off now you are earth seed run <laughs> you know <laughs> the fact that she you know is sensitive enough to notice the moment when that change happens and to lean out the window there's so many things that are like that readiness that vigilance that they have it makes me like, are we all ready to partner with change? Are we all mm -hmm. ready to partner with nature when these moments arrive, mm -hmm. right? I think that that's one of the things. And I also think they really learn from the, the fact that Day and his group come up and that, that they're all punished to the breaking point for what right. happens. I think that makes it clear to them. It's like, we've just, we, we can't keep waiting. Like there's nothing, yeah. we're just going to all die here. Or yep. we can take a chance that some of us will survive and- I do want to name just briefly because I think what the Faircloth sisters do to Allie is and Mary is so devastating and feels so familiar that betrayal, right? Mm -hmm. For the sake of having some increase of comfort, having some increase of access, that betrayal from inside. And I want to ask you to be in conversation with how could you fortify against something like the Faircloth sisters? How do we fortify? ourselves against threats like that right that's that's so hard i uh, mm -hmm. yeah because i always think i don't know nobody you know <laughs> like that's i don't right. know nobody you know like i know i know parks and i know the, the generous offerings that people give me and i don't know nobody and that just a situation just happened to me recently that's obviously not as devastating but like so surprising you know right. like 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 you're just moving along and you're doing things and things are going and it's happening happening and all of a sudden somebody is like blah 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 and everything stops and is you couldn't see it coming and you can't really you know you can't really resolve it and so there's like an ending and then like you have to re redo the thing. And I, I'm yeah. telling you, I was like, you know, and I think we all have this ability, but there are some, some places, you know, I was like, how do you, how do you surface that? Or how do you know, like, can you ask enough questions at a check-in? Can you, can you, right, you know, right, have, right. do you have more retreats? And like, how do you, you surface it? Because it feels, mm -hmm. when it surfaces, it feels so planned and thought. Like yeah. the person has been thinking about it for a long time. And I'm not even saying this is like somebody doing a wrong thing. I am, it's just it, like somebody thinking a thing that's like, yeah. yeah, yeah. Somebody <laughs> thinking a thing that ended everything. Yeah. You know, it's almost like I would think it's the other way. It's it's are you holding something in your pocket or in your spirit or in your soul that you know could stop, end, destroy, be weaponized, you know. Right. Are you holding something and are and do you need support like right now? Yeah. Or are you like in a practice of holding till it, it becomes like almost something that you can't control and that right. it's, you know, right, right, so right. I feel like it's like, yeah. what are you, 
Because <laughs> yeah, I'm like, no, I, I would never yeah. do that. I would never betray no, my I mean, sister. I think that's what I think. I'm like, I think we all think that we would never be the one who would do that kind of betrayal. And I always think the answer is relationship, right? Mm-hmm. I always think the answer is relationship. And so inside of this, you know, Earthseed held a tight relationship with each other. But I'm like, what kind of relationship do you have to build with the other people present? right? To begin to have a sense of where they even stand, right? I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh, like, if you knew that there was someone who was homophobic in your midst, would you make love in front of them? Um, Mm -hmm. Right? Or or what other moves, you know, what other moves become possible when you learn more about each other? And I don't know, you know, as with most of these questions, I don't know the answer. Mm -hmm. I have ideas, but I think it's worth a conversation. It's like, if I end up in these circumstances, because we never know who we're going to be in the apocalypse with, that's what Octavia wants us to always remember. And we don't right. know what people will do, especially under, this is the endurance question, right? Yeah. It's like, maybe they wouldn't have done this day one, right? Maybe this is something that only was available after nine, 10 months of this, this torture. Right? Mm-hmm. So mm. yeah, just think about that. And then final two questions here. I love that you pointed this out about Earthseed, how as soon as they're like, okay, we are free. And then they default back to the the state of their group that is the most familiar to them, which is like, we are solution oriented, we are logical, we are practical, we look out for each other and we adapt quickly. Like we figure out like, what's the next, what's the move that we need to make together? Let's make the most logical move, the move that's most efficient with our resources and that attends to the things we care about. Right. We care about our children. We care about our resources and our supplies, and we care about this place not being able to be used anymore. So, Mm -hmm. boom, here we go. That's because they had been training and practicing in a default state of being that functional with each other. So the question for you to be in is, what is the default state of your group? That's right. right? What is the default state of your political home? Right. What are you practicing that will emerge under pressure? Be in that question, be in that conversation. And my my final, final question for this one, because I'm always sitting with it, is what emotions do you feel as this part of the story ends? We've seen all of this pain, all of this loss, all of this sorrow. We've seen Lauren kill someone with her bare hands in this chapter, right? We have seen them get free. We have seen them get free, but without a real sense of victory, right? It's just a relief from the most horrific thing that's ever happened to them. And very few of them actually made it out in the Mm -hmm. the long run, you know, Um, and none of them made it out unscathed. So really being with like, this is where they are. And what do you feel? And really let yourself, you might want to journal it. You might want to take notes. You might want to pull out the feeling wheel and (laughs) actually really check out like, you know, the disgust, the rage, the fear, um, how does this emotion connect to your own emotional landscape? Oh, that is chapter 14. Ooh. Thank y'all. Thank y'all for paying attention and studying with us. Octavia's Parables is hosted by Toshi Regan and myself, Adrienne Marie Brown. It is produced by Kat Aaron, and our show art is by Krista Franklin. Music for Octavia's Parables is Always See the Stars, written and performed by Toshi Regan, and God is Change, written and performed by Toshi Regan with her mom, Bernice Johnson Regan, and Let Your Light Shine. Um, This is a spiritual arranged by Bernice Johnson Regan, performed by Toshi Regan and Bernice Johnson Regan from the recording Spiritland. You can find us on Twitter at Oparables and sustain our show by becoming a patron at patreon.com backslash Oparables. You can visit readingoctavia.com for transcripts. And we'll see you next week. See ya. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change. All that you change changes you. The only lasting truth is change. All that you touch, you change.
Get you